Welcome to Word at Nine, a podcast dedicated to lifting up the voices of student preachers at Yale Divinity School. I'm your host, Christy Stang. Christ is risen. And as we enter the season of Easter, I invite you to reflect on where you hear God's resurrecting voice in your life. Leading us in this contemplation of God's voice today, we welcome Yolanda Castro Arce as our preacher. Yolanda is a part-time first-year MAR student on leave until in-person learning resumes, and she is a full-time attorney. Married 33 years and a mom of three sons, Yolanda loves community organizing, and she can't wait to be fully vaccinated so that she can return to her community work in Puerto Rico. Yolanda, thank you for sharing your words with us today. Good morning or afternoon or evening, praying for your peace and clarity of mind as you listen to this message, praying for your ability to slow down for a few minutes so that you can find comfort from whatever you need comfort from or find comfort for whatever you need comfort for as you face it. During this very unusual time in our lives as people, as a country, as a nation, As a world, it is so important to find a moment to feel some normalcy, some peace, whatever that means for you. That moment may just involve silence, blocking all the noise in a world that perhaps has never seemed so noisy before. That moment may just involve recentering yourself so that for a few minutes you slow down and listen. Listen for your heartbeat or listen to your own breath or just to listen for an answer or direction or something that you have been praying about but had not had the time to stop and meditate on. Perhaps it has been too noisy and you have missed something that provided you with a much-needed answer or much-needed rest. 1 Kings 19, 11-13 is a favorite noise silencer for me. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Before we can get to the place where we find Elijah hiding in the cave and God asking as he does, even when he knows the answer, What are you doing here, Elijah? We need to know how Elijah got to where he was hiding in a cave, afraid, alone, and desperate, probably depressed by all clinical DSM standards. How Elijah came to the place where his image of a powerful and faithful God was so altered that he ran into hiding. In 1 Kings 19, 1-19, we learn that Elijah flees to Horeb, 
After Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword, Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they want to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hasil, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel, Abel, Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hasil, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve seven thousand in Israel, all whose knees have been not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, 
son of Shaphan. We see how Elisha left his parents and set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. It's important to know that Jezebel was a Phoenician princess who married King Ahab of Israel and then turned the nation to pagan idolatry, worshipping Baal and supporting 850 prophets of Baal as she attempted to stop the worship of the Lord God. Elijah tells King Ahab of Israel that the Lord will cause a serious drought for two or three years. The king is furious, and Elijah hides for three years with a widow and her son. Amazing things happen during his stay with the widow and her son. It's important to know that when Elijah went into hiding in that cave, he was clearly aware of the power, authority, and faithfulness of God. He had witnessed great miracles. He was a loyal servant to his faithful and powerful God. Elijah wanted to put an end to the division in the Israelite community, the division where some worshiped Baal and some worshiped the Lord God. He challenged Jezebel's prophets at Mount Carmel to see which was the great God. Elijah wins, orders the killing of the Baal prophets. Then Jezebel swears to kill Elijah. Elijah runs as fast and as far as he can. Elijah forgot all that he ever witnessed God do. Forgot that God enabled Elijah to summon up fire in the challenge against hundreds of those prophets. That the prophets were killed. That for three years of drought, Elijah lived with a widow who had nothing, and yet they had food to eat. And that God rose the widow's son back to life. Elijah also forgot that there must be highs and lows when you follow God. When it didn't go as Elijah planned, he became discouraged. And he ran fast and he ran far. When he stopped running, he asked God to take his life. He was weary, tired, rejected, unprotected, afraid. He felt he failed God and probably even felt that God failed him. He probably felt abandoned. Who has not felt that? Who has not run away from something at some point? Still, it's not God's plan to let Elijah off so easy. God doesn't kill Elijah as Elijah hoped. God sends an angel to feed him. And Elijah rested. The same angel comes a second day and encourages him to eat more and to rest again. God asked Elijah not once but twice what he was doing in the cave. It is as if God placed an emphasis on Elijah's need to seek clarity of mind. To stop all the noise and focus, perhaps even remember. Sometimes things look so much worse than they are because we're exhausted and weakened by stress, lack of sleep, constant worry, and lack of control over a situation we believe we should control. Maybe this pandemic has felt that way for you. I know it has for me. 
I lost the aunt who parented me on March 10th of this year. But during those disconnecting moments, if we find a few minutes to step back a bit and slow it down and listen, God provides what we need to tackle all situations. We come to a great lesson in this scripture, and it is about communication between Elijah and God. We know from other scripture that our father often passes in a strong, forceful wind, like the one that brought the tongues of fire that were witnessed at Pentecost. The one that led people to think that people were drunk at nine. We know God is associated with earthquakes. We know God is associated with parting of the seas and drowning of enemies. However, we receive here a lesson in how God can come to us, not only in a powerful wind and earthquake or fire, but in a still, small voice. And if we are not in a place of peace, properly cared for, rested, clearly able to remember who God is, we can miss that still, small voice. If we are surrounded by the noise of the world, the worries, the things others say to or about us, the feelings of helplessness, the doubts, the insecurities, we can miss God's still, small voice. Elijah was expecting God in the wind, the fire, the earthquake. What Elijah needed was a still, quiet voice to bring him peace and clarity and direction. Elijah needed to be still and listen for God, and everything changed for him. Sometimes we have to quiet the noise around us. Sometimes a simple question like, what are you doing here, puts it all into perspective. It slows us down and pulls us out of our self-pity and confusion. For Elijah, the question was, really, what is a prophet of God doing hiding in a mountain cave in the wilderness when there are things God still wants him to do? When God asked the question, he was probably asking, what are you doing here, Elijah? You are the one I've done some of my best work through. The one who knows my miracles, my strength, my limitless ability. Why aren't you out there doing what I've called you to do? It's through you that I am seen. When others ask, where is God? They can see me in you, Elijah. They see me through how I use you. So what are you doing here in this cave, Elijah? Have I ever hidden? Even when I've been silent, I've been with you. You just have not been able to see me or hear me because you have not moved beyond the noise. For us, it might be, what are we allowing to overwhelm us, to confuse us, to take away our hope, to sadden us? How do we find peace? Who can help us get there? What is God trying to show us? God will never bring us to a place and leave us there. 
He led Elijah to many places, into many frightening situations, but never left him alone. He walked him through miracles, used others to walk with him. Yet Elijah forgot this and fell into despair. Elijah forgot that with good also comes the not so good. But we have to continue to rely on God's faithfulness and seek his direction. Rely on his promises to bring us through anything and give us the greatest rewards. That realization can make the difference between beating our heads against a wall that will not move and finding the peace you need to get around that wall. I read a poem some time ago about this same scripture, and it stayed with me, but it developed into something meaningful with the loss of my aunt to COVID. It is Deborah Ann Belka's Can You Hear Me Now? Can you hear me now? Sometimes I can't hear what God has to say. Those whispers into my ears don't make their way. That tranquil voice is drowned by all the noise pollution, making it hard with God to hold a conversation. Sometimes that small hush can't be heard over the uproar and those quiet little breaths I find are so easy to ignore. That unseen presence can't get my full attention for so many things have become a distraction. Sometimes I hear God say, can you hear me now? And I answer him honestly, please show me again just how. And so as I was forced to slow down in grief over the loss of my aunt, I was forced to listen for answers to questions that only grief and sorrow during this pandemic can bring. Grief over the loss of a life, grief over the loss of just living, of not being able to take a deep breath in public, loss of a much-needed carefree hug, or the ability to eat out without concern, Grief over all we knew as life and living before the spring of 2020. And during my grief over the sudden and unexpected loss of my beloved aunt, I awoke in the middle of the night to listen to all the questions and answers that noise had prevented me from hearing. And so I woke up to listen and to write knowing that there was a message in what I received in that early morning silence, the silence I so needed. There was an answer to my grieving questions to God, to my most important question, where were you? I realized no more birthday celebrations or vacations, no messages of motherly love, no mother's advice nor admonitions, no mischief nor silly jokes. As I miss you more, my anger grew greater than my pain. God, how could you ask Elijah why he was in the cave 
You knew where he was. Where were you? You knew he was afraid, hurt, struggling, alone. Where were you then, God? You knew where he was. Where are you now in all of this? How did this happen? They die so isolated. She died alone. One minute she was taking care of others, she was healthy and happy. The next, her gracious heart, her brilliant mind was gone. COVID stole it. Where were you then? Where? Were you the nurse that gently pulled her hair away from her face? Was that you? Were you the orderly that opened a window so she'd feel a breeze? Was that you? Were you the doctor that patted her hand? Was that you? Were you the aide that wondered if she loved a child even though she never had any of her own? Were you the volunteers that spoke to her kindly, assuming she could hear? Was that you? Were you the consulate advisor that softly told me he was so sorry for the loss? Did you let her know she had nothing to fear? Did she know she'd be so missed? Did she smile when she saw you? Did she feel your embrace? Is she healthy again? Is she happy? Let her know I miss her so much. That she is always with me. She's with us all for generations to come. Let her know I am so jealous that she is happy without those she left behind that we can't wait to see her again, to dance with her again. Rest in life, Titi. God used your hands to mold me. Thank you, Lord, for being with her through all of them and for walking with me led by your hand. And so I leave you all this morning, this afternoon, or this evening with the prayer for your own ability to stop and to listen, to hear the answers and the direction from a still, small voice, to know that you are never alone and never deserted, that God speaks volumes to you through others and directly that you just have to find a minute to listen. I pray for moments of peace, whatever that means for you. And I pray this and the comfort that only God can provide to you today and always in Jesus' mighty name. God bless. This has been Word at Nine, 
a podcast dedicated to lifting up the voices of student preachers at Yale Divinity School. Thank you for listening.